All right, welcome to the late edition. My name is Tyler. I buy a lot of stuff from Yakima Valley Hops, including a brand new boil kettle, which I'm really excited about it. This weekend, I'm going to test it out with doing an Irish red. Enjoy the podcast. Here we go. This is episode three of the late edition for Yakima Valley Hops. My name is Caleb Schwecki, and welcome to the heart of hop country. In this episode, we're going to sit down with Junior Loza. He's a generational hop farmer, and he's going to tell us, teach us, learn us how to plant, grow, and harvest our own hops. So I hope you have plenty of space in your front yard and backyard. Hops are good to grow. But before we get into that, a big thank you to everybody for the feedback. Thank you for the kind words, the well wishes, the reviews, uh, wherever you you are listening to us, please leave a review. Uh, let us know what you think of the show. It does help get the word out there. Uh, we've gotten a really positive response so far, so thank you, everybody. We will keep trying to get better. Hopefully this week the audio quality is a little bit better. We are rocking some new mics. I'm not going to promise studio quality, uh, as we are just recording here in our offices during normal daily operations. So there's gonna be some banging, clanging, buckets, grains getting milled, you know, hops getting bagged up. So if there's any background noise, I apologize for that, but that's kind of where we are. And I do apologize for not getting this episode out last week. We will try to get them out every Friday with some regularity. Last week turned out to be a little hectic. Things got away from us, but we did get a chance to record a couple of great interviews. We will be releasing those over the next couple weeks. Hannah got a chance to sit down with the husband and wife duo, uh, the owners, brewers, for Dwinnell Country Ales. They just opened up recently here in the state of Washington. She gets to chat with them about a bunch of stuff. Uh, Hannah and myself, we got to sit down with Robbie from Paper Street Brewing. Robbie's the owner and brewer of Paper Street. He's been open for about five years. We talked with him about a range of topics, including uh, farming in the valley here, but also how to deal with criticism. Uh, as a professional brewer, how to deal with negative reviews. We also talk about the really good beers that he brews. So we tasted through some of the beers that he brought up with us, really enjoyed it, talked about it, had a great time. So look for those two episodes coming out over the next two weeks. We'll chop them up. Here we go. Let's learn about hops. Let's learn how to grow them. Here is Junior Loza. Hope you enjoy. So I'm Junior Loza from Loza Farms, spelled L-O-Z-A, Farms. All right, so we've been there since 2006. Um, that's when my family bought it. Uh, my dad worked for there for 30 years as a pharma, uh, foreman before he bought the place. So I was born and raised there. Started working there when I was 13. Wow. So I've been there a long time, yeah. Uh, what have you learned about the hop growing industry in that time? So I've definitely learned more about it. In the last 10 years, now that I've been involved in more aspects of it, when I was younger, I mean, we did the whole hop harvest and, you know, summertime when we were in school. But the last eight years has probably been the neatest now that we're able to know where our product goes. We meet brewers and then we deal with people like you guys that are sourcing hops to um, home brewers 
stuff like that. So it's way neater seeing where your product ends up at the end. Recent, recently purchased the farm over 10 years ago. <laughs> Why you and your family want to grow hops and not apples or carrots or? So my dad does know quite a bit about apples, but it was already a hop farm when we bought the place. When we bought the place in 2006, it was a, it was 56 acres of hops. And then we grew hay and corn and we raised cattle on our own. And uh, so when we bought the place, it was 56 acres and hops wasn't worth very much at the time. In fact, the very first year that we grew, we were able to pay the bills and pretty much that was it. All of us were pretty much worked for nothing that first year, but um, it's something I enjoy. I like obviously the end product and you know, it's, it's that's probably the crop that you're able to see the biggest growth in one season. So a uh, sense of accomplishment is huge. You go from zero to 15, 18 feet in the air in three months, I mean, it's pretty crazy. That might be one of the main reasons why a lot of, it seems like a, there's a growing interest in people just growing it in their yards, growing it for fun. Do you think that contributes to it, to the popularity? Um, I mean, that is one of the popularities. I think um, now that craft breweries are a lot bigger, hops play a lot bigger role in beer than they used to. I mean, hops have always been in beer, but the amount of hops that are in beer is much more significant, at least from my point of view. And so you're able to see the different characteristics and flavors and smells in the beer you're drinking. And so that I feel drives you to want to grow your own, see if if by you growing your own and you're home brewing or whatever, it might be different. And plus, I mean, it's a pretty nice hedge to grow, you know, 15 feet in one in one season. I mean, they'll cut, keep your neighbors out of your yard, definitely. So, for sure, for sure. Well, and uh, so there are people that grow it just as a hedge, or you know, like j they just want some big, beautiful green bushes. Are there any varieties in particular that you would recommend for somebody who doesn't want to brew? Um, I would definitely pick something that's not going to have not be mildew susceptible. I know, at least from personal experience, Mount Hoods are a real bushy crop without huge amount of hops on them. Um, don't really get mildew. You do have a chance of getting mites pretty strongly because they're so dense, but um, if you're able to keep your predator population up, you should be pretty okay. So predators like ladybugs? Uh, or so ladybugs do more aphids. For uh, mites, you got um, predator mites and destroyers and stuff like that. That tiff mites that, that do a lot of that. Wow, okay, crazy. So let's, uh, I guess let's step back a little bit. What are, if somebody is just looking to grow hops for their very first time in the front yard, what's, is there one variety that you would suggest that is just? So, so if they want a crop, probably the easiest to get a crop off of is probably gonna be, for any person, Cascade's probably gonna be one of the easier ones. And it has a pretty nice value in brewing. You know, you're able to use it in aroma and it has slight brewing properties also. Probably gonna be the easiest um, if you just want it for a hedge. Like I said, you might want to go with something busher. I mean, CTZ grows real big, real bushy, but you have the problem with mildew. And if it's just for you, I guess it might not be a problem, especially if you're not brewing with it. But uh, the cones start looking pretty ugly when they get mildew, start turning a little brown and lose a lot of the properties. All right, so there's a couple things that you said to look out for already. We got uh, pests, mildews, diseases. Are, are there any other things that first-time growers need to be aware of? I think probably one of the biggest things is where you're gonna put it, where you're gonna plant it. You wanna make sure you have enough sunlight. You wanna make sure that you have some sort of trellising, whether it be you're gonna grow on your chain link fence or 
you're actually going to put it on on twine or string probably one thing you should know is hop vines naturally follow the sun so when you train them you want to train clockwise and it'll help it wrap better yeah because they don't have um so i've heard them called vines with a yeah. b and not yeah. a vine yeah, what, what's yeah. the differentiation there uh, I, I, I can't think of it off the top of my head. I I have no idea. I, uh, I'd have to look it up. But but yeah, yeah there there is a, a huge difference there. It is with a B, not with a V. Okay, interesting. All right. So <coughs> talking about space and location, you said sun. I imagine you know like good draining soil is really key as well. How much how much space do these things take up? So I mean, it being a perennial, it'll keep getting bigger and bigger every year. We plant right now on a three and a half by 12. And before we used to plant a seven by seven. Um, so seven feet in between each plant on every which way. And now we switch to a three and a half by 12 because we use drip tubes. So we don't drive tractors crossways during the season anymore. But they, if you let them, I mean, they'll continue to spread out pretty big. So we usually drive crossways in the fall or um, winter time to cut the plants back a little bit. I see. Okay. So irrigation systems, do you, do you recommend getting them on a drip system? Do you recommend? Drip is probably the easiest, at least for us. Um, you're able to add water when you need it and where you need it instead of doing real irrigate where your water is just kind of running and eroding your soil and stuff like that. It's better than, at least I think it'd be better than a sprinkler system because with the water in the air, you have higher tents of higher, higher humidity and mildew problems okay how important is a watering schedule to hops I, I mean it's huge it, it's like anything um, the plant does not want to be oversaturated because it you know feels like it's drowning and you don't want to be too dry because um, you'll have problems there also so you want to keep it in a happy medium definitely okay other than water do you fertilize do you <laughs> we, we do uh, chemigation through our water and fertigation through our water and then we also do some dry in in the springtime, just because um, us being on the reservation, we get our water a little bit later than other places, and so we want to make sure that the plant has all the nutrients it needs to get started. What are some of those nutrients that um, the plants? So, so we, we make sure we do soil samples every year, see what the ground needs. We don't add anything the ground doesn't need, the plant doesn't need. This last year, we put a lot more calcium than we have in other, in other years because it was when he did some carbon and magnesium and stuff like that, iron, which is what the ground needed so the plant could grow properly. We actually did less nitrogen last year than we ever have before. We did, um, it's called green manure where we till back in the old weeds or plant or grass and stuff into the ground. And so we had enough nitrogen, natural nitrogen from that that we didn't need to add very much nitrogen last year. Was that the first year that you tried that? that no, we've, we've done it in the past with us using manure compost and and that we just didn't actually need to add any chemical nitrogen. Interesting, interesting. I've heard of people using elemental sulfur as a way to <laughs> kind of like pH balance the soil. Yeah, yeah, so when you do your soil samples, like for us, we have a field man and they'll do our soil samples and they'll make a mixture. They'll make sure your, your soil is balanced to what it needs. So whether it needs sulfur or calcium or whatever, depending on your pH and what you need for the ground is what we end up putting. Yeah, usually it's the way it works out for us. Okay, other than minerals, do you, do you add anything to your soil? Do you look at like the, the microbiome or? We have in the past. We've tried stuff like um, agzyme and stuff like that. It's supposed to help uh, the micro, micros in the ground um, 
build we haven't seen that much of a difference when we used it and so as long as we don't overtax the ground and, and in the past when you plant a new variety we have um, fumigated and usually when we fumigate we try to wait quite a while before we go back and plant to make sure that all the microorganisms are able to come back and stuff like that make sure we get everything we need oh interesting um do you do do you do crop rotation at all with hops or? no not with hops so uh, a hop is perennial and so we usually stay in the rows where our poles are at but we plant like i said we plant whether it's triticale or some people do like fracking radishes or or rye different stuff in the centers and then you till it back in fracking radishes is mostly for when you have collegiate soil and it's real packed and your fracking radishes will kind of break up your dirt so you can your water can penetrate it better. Oh yeah, interesting. Mm -hmm. Do hops benefit from any other co-planting like that? I mean, there's a lot of theories out there. So I've heard some people say that those um, um, foxtail weeds that grow naturally, where those grow hops and tend to grow better. I don't have very much of that around our place, so I don't know if that's true or not. But I've never paid that close attention to to see if one thing helps more than another. Okay, so so here we are, we're in the middle of February right now. When when are you guys gonna be planting new rhizomes? When are you gonna be digging up rhizomes? So we're actually digging rhizomes now. As long as the temperature's right, where our ground isn't frozen anymore, we're able to dig. Um, and we'll start planting probably by the first of March, we'll start planting, we'll go be back in the fields planning on wherever we're going to do a replant and get it started that way. We tend to have better luck by planting rhizomes and then pots, at least for, for our area. Oh, so you get them started in the pots? Some people some people do. Some people grow pots. So for people, especially people that are um, in colder areas, will actually plant in pots first since like greenhouses and stuff and they'll get them started and then they'll come back and plant after their last frost. Us here, we're able to plant sometime in March usually, and we plant rhizomes and we're able to get a crop that same year. Okay, so when people get their rhizomes, if they're not able to plant them in a pot and get them going that way, what's the best way to store them until you can get them in the ground? So keep them wet, moist. Obviously, I mean, don't, don't put them in a bucket of water, but you wanna keep them moist. You wanna keep them cool and in a dark place. So I, I'd probably suggest 34, 36 degrees, so you don't have that much growth until um, you're able to plant them. Pot is probably the easiest way to go because you can take one rhizome you buy from Yakima Valley Hops and cut it in half and make two pots from it instead of one. But when we plant rhizomes out in the field, we tend to do four to five rhizomes per hill so that we're able, every single one of those rhizomes are gonna throw a little, a little bind up and that's what goes on the string. So the more binds we have coming up, the better it is for the first year. I got you. How, how many bands do you get on each string? So normally, depending on the variety, it's anywhere from two to three. But on baby years, we put as many as we can on them usually. Okay. Yeah, we'll, we'll train a lot longer on a baby year than we would on a regular on a regular year. And then after the baby year, in like year two, three, do you kind of see which, which binds come up first? So, so, so the ones that come up first, we usually cut them back here. Whether you do um, chemical prune or uh, actual machine pruning. Uh, we use a harrow. We go through and we harrow our fields. <laughs> so we leave clean bare ground for both diseases. You know, just get everything away so that air is able to flow through very well. And it knocks everything back. And so when, when they all come back, they come back more even. So you're able to have a, a more even crop all across your fields. 
a more consistent growth. Interesting. So now people have their rhizomes. It's after the first, you know, first or the threat of the frost. Uh -huh. um, how do you plant it? You just stick it in the dirt and call it good? <laughs> so when we were kids and we plant rhizomes, my dad would say to make sure you always plant it with the little eyes pointing up because if you plant it backwards, they'll grow to China. That's what it always tells us. But what it ends up coming happening is it'll take longer for it to grow because it'll, it'll follow the light, it'll eventually come out, but it'll have to have a longer curve inside inside the growth. So um, the way we do it is we dig a hole five inches deep probably, put the rhizomes all standing up, spread apart a little bit, and then fill it back in with dirt and then pack the air out so they don't rot is the way we do it. Okay, so you don't want oxygen in there? Yeah, you don't, you don't want, um, well, I mean, you also have some oxygen in there, but you want to mm -hmm. pack it enough where you get the excess out. Okay, all right. Um, and then do you need to be careful about overwatering them at first? Uh, we don't water till we get something coming out. And the fact that we don't get water here till May 5th, all we, whatever, we get rain and stuff like that. Um, so we don't have that problem. I don't know what it would be like in some of the wetter climates, but here, Washington State, I mean, we usually, at least on the reservation, we don't have that problem of overwatering too early. All right, yeah. And you said you, you plant them vertical, straight up and down? Yeah, straight up and down. Okay. Yeah. And yeah. then you get the eyes coming out the yeah, top? Yeah, you want to make sure the eyes are pointing up, yeah. I got you. Uh, any other tips or, you know, uh, like old school? Definitely don't be afraid to put more more rhizomes in the hole. I mean, you don't want to do probably more than six. It's not needed. But I would suggest three to five would be a, a pretty good number. You want to make sure you, you put enough rhizomes there. I mean, it might cost you a little bit more at the beginning, but it'll help you in the long run. You'll have a healthier plant sooner. Healing it especially if you guys are doing something at home you guys if you want your your plant to spread faster if you heal on top of some of those vines that you're not training those will become slip roots also they'll start tapping down and so that that could help you also if you want your plant to grow faster okay so how tall of a hill are, uh, we, are we talking then it just it just depends on what you want once you've trained your your hops that are going up your vines um, whatever's left on the ground. I mean, you have two choices. So, so your plant's growing both vertically and laterally, you know, already. And so we run a disc and we'll cut some of those off, but the disc also throws dirt on top of some other ones. And so it'll, it'll cover them up. So by cutting some of them off, you'll give more power to the stuff that's growing up. But by covering some of their stuff up, it'll start becoming uh, rhizomes also rooting into the ground. Okay, and then you can just take those cuttings, those rhizomes, and plant more hops, right? Yeah, in future years, yeah. Uh, you probably don't want to cut off of them after your first year. I'd probably say after your second harvest, you could probably start taking some cuttings off of them. Okay, and then how long does each hop plant? Uh, we the Probably the oldest hop yard that we have is probably 14 years old, probably 15 years old. Okay. Is the oldest one we have for now, mm -hmm. but in the past we've had stuff older than that. Is there a, a certain year? Because they're not like uh, grapevines where the older they are, typically the better, right? No, so here in Washington State, second year is when we get our highest production value. You get more than what the, your normal average is. Around here, it seems like a lot of people change varieties every four to five years, whether that's because of market or, or production. You know, it just depends on the person that's doing it but for someone doing it at home, you should be okay with leaving it there and just maintaining the plant, plants you have. Hello and welcome. I'm James Earl Jones, 
and you are listening to the Lupulin Limerick Moment. Please, take this time to remember everything the light touches will one day be yours. To be a hop, all wrapped up in wonder, a sweet little nug of flavorful splendor, set sail on the seas of golden brown and amber, find a warm spot to simmer, then swiftly take anchor, See, a hop is a piece of a wonderful puzzle, of which most take part through a gulp or a guzzle. One hop, two hop, three hop, four. The more hops you add, the sweeter the pour. We do have a couple questions here. This one came from a Reddit user. Uh, I'm not gonna repeat the name, but is there any way to encourage growth of a plant outside of its optimal area? So, you know, hops <laughs> grow at 47 degrees. Yeah. Um, I know some hops don't grow very well in certain areas. He gave the example of Magnum in Southeast US. Are there any ways to mitigate that and get slightly better results, or are these hops just doomed to be ornamental at best? They definitely have a higher chance of being ornamental at best, but time and effort definitely mitigates everything. Uh, the reason that there's not commercial growers in those areas is because when you're a commercial grower, you usually don't have the time across you know hundreds of acres to do that. But I, I believe that if if you wanted to, I mean, you can, one or two plants, you can definitely get a pretty high crop every year. I mean, as long as you baby them, just like any other plant. Yeah, and you mentioned cascades, you know, yeah, they grow they, pretty, pretty they well. They grow pretty everywhere. good, yeah. yeah. And that was actually, that was another question that we got emailed in, what is the most versatile, you know, versatile variety, but, you know, cascade, mount hood for yeah. ornamental yeah. stuff. Yeah, so we grow mount hoods for production value also but for ornamental where they just want a big bush I mean they grow pretty bushy and they're pretty easy you don't have to worry about a lot of the diseases you get in other stuff CTZ is a real easy thing to grow also I mean it pretty much grows on its own it'll safe tra self train but you have the problem of mildews you know and some people in the southeast will have downy mildew and stuff like that and so those are usually pretty good problems kind of a weird question but so if you take a cutting of the rhizome, mm -hmm. so you say you take one rhizome, cut it in two, is it two separate plants or is yeah, that the if same you put them in if you put them in pots, it'll be the same variety because it's a cutting, you know, but yeah, you can put it by cutting it in half, as long as you have uh, viable eyes on both of them, you can put them in two different pots and grow uh, two pots from one. Um, they won't be as, as strong as planting multiple in one hill, but if you do that, you can plant multiple pots on one hill and still, you know, get yourself started a little sooner that way. Is there anything special you need to do if you're getting it going in pots? Do you need to give them some like sunlights, LEDs or? I mean, sunlight, obviously, uh, at first, before they come out of the ground, you don't really have to do anything. Once once they start popping out of the ground, they're, they're gonna need some sunlight and then you just watch them. Um, you don't want your, your soil to get too dry. So you add water according as where it needs it. So. When you first start with rhizomes, uh, the way you look at it is once you have an established plant, it's able to get water from a lot farther area. And so it can deal with a little bit drier conditions or a little bit wetter conditions where a, a one rhizome or a pot 
can't deal with the same thing. You have to water it less, but more often. I guess this is probably the way I would suggest it. Right, so you don't drown it. So you don't drown it, but you want to make sure you keep it moist. When we do babies at the beginning of the growing season, I water them way more often than I do my mature crop. And then later on in the season, once my mature crop is tall and my babies aren't, I'll start watering them less and my mature crop more often because um, I'll start noticing puddles out where I'm oversaturating my babies and where the other stuff still looks kind of dry. Oh, I gotcha. Okay. Yeah. Well, that answers a lot of good questions. Are there any frequent questions that you get? Like, hey, how do I grow hops at my house? Uh, uh, yeah, I mean, we get a lot of that. Trial and error is going to be your biggest, your biggest. So just because I do something one way here or another grower down the road from me does something one way, it doesn't mean it's going to work for everybody. You have different soil structures, you know, from one quarter of a mile from my house, the soil is completely different than it is at my place. So you're gonna have to try different things um, and go that route. Uh, you can try some of the suggestions that I have or some suggestions from other farmers, but at the end of the day, it all depends on what works for you. And you definitely can't be afraid to try something new and see what it does. This might be a topic for another conversation, <laughs> but I really like the, you know, the, the soil is different quarter mile away from your place. It, how much does the growing region impact the hop. The growing region impacts it quite a bit. Weather, it's huge. Some varieties um, don't grow as well here as they were in other states in the Pacific Northwest, where other varieties grow here a lot better than they do there. So it definitely, your region definitely matters quite a bit. But the reason I say the soil could be different is um, where I'm at, it's sandy loam with some clay in it. And up the road from me, it's more gravelly where they have to irrigate completely different than I irrigate for that reason and so it just depends on definitely depends on where you're at and trial and error okay so if somebody you know looks at their yard and says hey this is not good dirt for hop growing you <coughs> say try it anyways it might actually work yeah it, it, it could work out for you you never know you know most of the states grew hops at one point or another because you know everybody drank beer back in the day whether it's ground to be commercial or not i mean that's completely different but can you grow a plant or two? I mean, most likely, you know, it's always worth a try. Just a little bit of time left here. What's so special about the Yakima Valley? Why, why do you enjoy growing hops here? First of all, I was born and raised here, you know, definitely. I love the community I live in. Everybody's friendly and this, this area is definitely um, agriculture based. I mean, everything's grown here. Apples, cherries, tomatoes, all kinds of fruits and vegetables and hops. They just, I, I can't see myself anywhere else really. Nice. Uh, any last words of encouragement to get somebody to tear up their grass and plant some hops? Uh, I think I think everybody should try. You know, at least at least try it. Worst case scenario is it doesn't work, and you know you throw away ten dollars or twenty dollars or whatever, how many plants? But maybe it grows great for you, and you're able to make a stellar brew with some of your stuff that you grew in your own backyard. I mean, that's pretty awesome. I mean, who could say that? can't get any better than growing your own yeah, hops. No, so. no, I mean, the fresher the better, right? You know, you by growing them in your own, you guys might not be able to get fresh hops uh, from Yakima for, for a fresh hop beer, but by growing your own at your house, you're able to grow brew a fresh hop beer, you know, once a year at least. There you go. Yeah. Uh, anything else you'd like to add? I think that's about it. Yeah, I think we got it all. <laughs> I think we covered it.
Well, there you go. Episode three. Thank you, Junior, for stopping by. We appreciate your time. We appreciate you sharing your knowledge. If you listening have ever wanted to grow your own hops, now is the time to grow hops. Tear up your yard, tear up your vegetables, tear up your flowers, just grow some hops plant some rhizomes uh it's been kind of a goofy winter here ground actually never like really truly froze uh we got a little snow around christmas and we just got a little snow last week so uh a lot of the farmers have been digging rhizomes fresh rhizomes you know all throughout the winter we've been selling rhizomes all throughout the winter uh not messing around with any pre-order business so you can get fresh rhizomes freshly dug by hand yeah yakimavelihops.com grow some Hope you enjoyed this episode. Let us know what you think. We do appreciate everybody who sent in questions. We did have to record a couple days earlier than we were originally planning, so we only got a couple questions in. Uh, thank you to everybody who did send in your questions. Most of the questions got answered in the interview, but Junior will be back. So if you have any questions, if you want to follow up with anything, if he addressed a topic that you want to learn a little bit more about, he'll be stopping by in about another month or so. So right when right when spring's kicking in, he's going to be a busy guy, but he'll stop by, update us, let us know how the growing season is starting out, and give us some more growing tips for all of you home hop farmers. So thank you again, Junior. Thank you as well to Steve Quantrell. Awesome beats, as always. Thank you much, Corey Hacker, Hannah Keevy, the rest of the YVH crew. Having a lot of fun with it. Let us know what you think. Thank you. See you next week. Bye.